0: And right. if we piss you off, don't feel obligated to stick around. You can bail anytime.
1: Yeah, Liz. <laughs> yeah, Liz does that all the time. She's just like, oh, my power went
2: out. That's yeah. right. Yeah, I want to, I want to, I want to hear that episode. It was last week. Oh no!
1: Yeah, she just, week. she just bailed,
0: just disappeared. No
3: way. Yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Well, it's okay.
3: Mother Nature.
0: Not sure. sure. Well, it's That's not our fault. Say. You live in hell. <laughs> Tornado Alley or Hurricane
3: Hurricane, hurricane Hollow? <laughs> oh, big. Cool. It's just still, and it's just, uh, an Ur- and it's no just the beginning of the season. Okay, hold on. Sorry, I
1: gotta close my belt.
0: Don't jump, Rob.
1: Sons <laughs> of Anarchy driving by my apartment. <laughs>
3: I
0: should watch that again. That was great.
1: That was a good show. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, is uh, are are we uh, are we all ready? No.
3: Recording in progress.
1: Welcome to a, another episode of AT Banter. Banter, banter. Uh, hey, this, I don't know what that was. Uh, hey, this is a podcast, of course, where we talk with advocates and members of the disability community to educate and inspire better conversation about disability. Hey, my name is Rob Minot, and joining me today, Mr. Ryan Flurry. Hello, Mr. Steve Barkley that would be me and i don't know is she here or did she like leave the room already uh is there a Liz malone in the house
3: i'm gonna change my name to hurricane harriet
1: <laughs> <laughs> is that what happened last week you, you were hit by a hurricane or it that wasn't that actually week? a
3: hurricane it was just a nasty nasty thunderstorm
1: Really, and your power went out just over a thunderstorm? Uh,
3: it's because of the the damn trees. They're so Charlotte. They mm. love their their trees. Mm. And let's just tell. Let me just say, uh, as beautiful as they are, they fall.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I see. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think the last time I lost power is because a squirrel crawled into the transformer and like short circuited the whole
0: thing. Gotta love our infrastructure, right? Eh? So yeah. <laughs> hey, Rob was
3: like, yay, dinner.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Where's the hot sauce? Pre cooked. Uh, yeah, that's right. Uh how are you guys? Ducky.
4: Better oh. and better.
1: Okay, good. That's uh that was our update. Everybody,
4: (laughs) you got your
0: (laughs) past update. We got a ducky, and I don't even know what the other thing was. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna do my little new monthly Ryan's rant segment. Okay. Oh, month. This is gonna be a monthly segment. I'm sure I can come up with some rants monthly. Absolutely.
1: Okay. Okay. Well, you have to. You're in charge of the jingle. You have to write the jingle. All right. Ryan's rants, Ryan's (laughs) rants. (laughs)
0: rants. (laughs) (laughs) Works for me. Okay. All right, go. I'm ready. All right, so last week, of course, uh, most of our, I think most of our listeners, it was recorded maybe, I don't know, basement had a really, really bad smell while we went up in the ceiling and we found a dead mouse in one of the rat traps. So yay, got rid of the dead mouse, smell, mostly gone.
1: Okay.
0: So then we reach out to Strata because we live in a townhouse complex and ask them to send pest control back. And they get back to us saying, yep, they'll be there Monday between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. So, I'm like, that's quite the window, 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Okay. Hmm. So, they eventually come and they get up in the ceiling and they find another mouse. So, he's gone. So, yay, we're mouse free. I have have a device I have to send back to a manufacturer. They arranged for a dispatch for a courier to come today between 9 a.m. and 7 p.m. They're not here yet. (laughs) there's a nine, 10 hour window. So I have to, I have to thankfully say that I work from home. So it's not a super inconvenience, but where do the companies think that giving people an eight to nine to 10 hour window to be around is feasible. Hmm. That just was ludicrous to me. Yeah. You know what? Actually, I'm going to agree with your rant this month. Uh, I got one more. I agree. One more little one. Okay. Go ahead. My wife's looking for a new laptop. So we go to Best Buy on the weekend okay. and we look at a bunch of laptops. She finds someone that she wants. So we go up to the counter and we say, okay, we want this computer. Oh, we don't have it in stock. Okay. So they say you can order it and we'll arrange delivery. So that's fine. She orders it. And in the process of ordering it, you know, you can get an extended, you know, two or three year warranty for like $400, like $400 for an extended warranty. Mm -hmm. That's ludicrous. Oh, and you can also, for such and such a dollar amount, get an antivirus software. Oh, yeah. I said to the lady, I said, you know, Windows has its own firewall and antivirus software, right? <laughs> like, are you qualified to work here? And just the whole idea of not telling people what comes on the systems and just, I, I wonder how many people they're taking advantage of by mm. not giving them the information. A lot. Yeah. You know, it was just really frustrating. Yeah. I hate Best Buy. And, oh. you know, Amazon could have delivered it today. <laughs> so I'm sorry, Best Buy and Big Boxers, but if you're going to have a product on the shelf, at least put something on there that says not in stock. Because then I understand that there's going to be a bit of a delay in getting.
3: Well, there's another sponsor we can scratch off the list. Yeah, exactly.
1: In other news, <laughs> sorry, We would like to welcome our new
0: sponsor, Best Buy, to the show. No, are you kidding me? Jeff Bezos, he'll sponsor us. <laughs> sure. They'll just shoot us to space. I'll go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's my rant. All right, that was a good rant. I, I thought think so. You squeezed too. Rant- yeah, there.
3: that was that was rant worthy. I agree. I thought so.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That they're not even trying to schedule you when when they give you like a nine oh. hour window, they're not even. Just so like get they get there when they get there. Yeah, it's so like you're home. supposed to be thankful <laughs> that they gave you a day. That's
0: right. Yeah. Mm yeah So anyway yeah customer service sucks these days retail sucks unless you're amazon mm. Mm. yeah just take it to the post office and boom it's gone done dealt with
4: so True. uh where where at amazon can you go look at their uh, laptops and uh, actually put your hands on them
0: uh they are actually opening amazon retail stores are they um, they are
4: Interesting. Mm-hmm.
0: that is the plan well what the, why Cause then you just tell like, well, like Steve says, you can go put your hands on stuff if you want to, you know, and then they just dispatch it from their warehouse. Mm. All right. well, are, you talking,
3: are you just, are you talking about their pop-up stores?
0: No, I think they are actually going to launch some retail outlets, not just their warehouse or pop-up stores. So mm. they're
3: going in the opposite direction of their original successful business model, which is No, they're going to keep
0: that. Yeah, no, I'm with
1: Liz on this one. You're, Liz is on the right track here. It's true. The, the whole they're going
3: in reverse. reverse. Yeah. The whole thing yeah. was that they were the alternate yes. source from brick and mortar, yeah, And right. now they're like, no, actually we want to be brick and mortar.
0: Yeah. That's dumb. Well, I think it is dumb to a certain degree, but there are people who like myself, depending on what the product is, I want to get my hands on it first. I don't mm-hmm. want to just take a chance of spending you know, five, six, seven, $800 online, finding out I don't like it and then have to go through the hassle of going to you know, post Mm. office and issuing, you know, having it sent back and returned or refunded or whatever. Amazon makes that painless when Mm. it comes to, you know, anything really, but you just can't try it first. Whereas if they had a retail store, you can We could go to Best Buy, get our hands on this laptop, feel the keyboard. My wife could see the screen brightness. You can't do that, you know, otherwise. So I think there's a place for retail still.
3: Well, I think that's why they have such a kick-ass return policy. Yes. So, it's like you can play with it or touch it at home and then be like, nah.
0: Exactly. Yeah. No questions asked, you know. Mm -hmm.
3: You know, see how those keyboards feel along your butt crack and stuff like that, right? And then bring it back to the store, (laughs) (laughs) ship it back.
0: Okay. (laughs) All right. Our other not (laughs) that I would
3: ever do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) This touchpad's not sensitive enough.
1: Uh, all
4: right all right i anyway, don't some... like the home row <laughs> indicators they're not bumpy enough
0: <laughs> Those arrows are too sharp
1: uh, oh man all right that's enough of that yes yeah, good thing we edit the show yeah hey <laughs> that's right no, that <laughs> cutting all of that out uh, i'll keep some of it in um hey ryan
0: yes rob uh enough silliness uh hey what are we doing today Today, we are speaking with co-founder and executive director of StopGap Foundation, Luke Anderson. Hey Luke, thanks for joining us.
2: Hey everybody, you, uh, <laughs> yeah, you entertained a, an audience of, of one and, and any other creepers out there that that are tuning in.
3: <laughs> um, hey,
1: listen, that, that means our numbers went up from last week.
2: Uh, <laughs> uh right on I'm, I'm i'm stuck with an image of a of a squirrel um i'm making I'm That's working a, its magic with a with a transformer it's
1: an um,
0: absolute true story when you stuck with us yeah. through that whole i did verbal diarrhea yeah. so you've got some some stories to tell i'm sure <laughs> That's right. That's right luke's power didn't go out mysteriously <laughs>
1: that intro all right, well, hey, listen, uh, we want to thank you very much for uh, taking some time out to talk to us. Um, so why don't we just start um, just maybe just giving us um, a little bit of a snapshot of, uh, of who Luke Anderson is and uh, a little bit about uh, a StopGap Foundation.
2: Yeah, right on, everyone. Oh, thanks for having me on, and I appreciate the opportunity to, yeah, to share and shed some light on who I am and what I'm up to. Um, I live in Toronto um, and have lived in Toronto for the last almost 20 years. Um, I graduated from uh, engineering school uh, at the University of Waterloo in, in 2002. And at the time, I, I, was, I was a really passionate athlete and I really, uh, really loved mountain biking. Um, and and made it a mission of mine to to live in the very best place in the country, if not the world, to to mountain bike. That being the the interior of British Columbia. And and so yeah, as soon as I finished uh, wrapping up my my education at Waterloo, I I moved to the interior of BC and sort of followed followed uh, my dreams of. Of mountain biking every day on the best trails in the country, and uh, yeah, and just met all kinds of other like-minded mountain biking enthusiasts. Um, yeah, doing doing their thing out there, and and uh, it was on a ride later later in in the riding season of that year, so October of 2002, when when I bit off a little more than I could chew on on a, a trail just outside of Nelson. British Columbia and I crashed. I had a a bad crash that um, saw me flying over the handlebars and landing head first, breaking a couple of vertebrae in my upper spine. And I'm telling you all of this because I believe that in that moment, well, A, my life changed in a split second, um, but B, I was all of a sudden introduced to a world that's really not well suited for for somebody that that uses a, a wheelchair or a mobility aid. And and that really kickstarted uh a journey of of kind of figuring out how to handle how best to work with the frustration that I was feeling in in encountering barriers that were preventing me from from accessing spaces uh, on an equal basis. And, and yeah, that, that conversion or that that transformation, the transmutation of, of frustration led to what I'm doing today. And that, that's raising awareness about barriers that I believe affect all of us in some shape or form um, and removing them through the deployment of really simple Bright, brightly painted access ramps for locations with a, with a single-stepped entryway. And, and we call that program of ours, uh, this organization that it has become now over 10 years, hard to believe that,
4: uh, the Stopgap Foundation. Very cool. So where, where do you guys get your funding from? Is it donations or do you, do you get government funding for doing this?
2: We uh, we primarily get our funding from from individual donors. Uh, so a little plug here, anyone that's interested in, in supporting stopgap's work, uh, we welcome your support. Uh, just visit stopgap.ca and there's a secure online portal to, to make a, a financial contribution if you're able. Um, and and we, we work with some some really generous, Organizations, um, uh, yeah, on a year-to-year basis, and and that is primarily how we are funded. Yeah, it's uh, we we have certainly received support from government grants in the past, uh, a few of them, but our 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 funding is is it, it comes in the form of um, donations from from individuals. Um, either one time or we're trying to grow our monthly donor base just to, you know, have a consistent um, monthly, monthly income. Um, And, and yeah, we have, we have some partnerships with some, some really, really, really helpful organizations, Toyota being one of them. Yeah.
1: So initially when you, when you came up with the, with the idea, were there any sort of kind of hurdles that that you you guys sort of had to to get over in terms of um, rolling these out and and selling them to businesses.
2: Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> That's a great question, and and I think the hurdles, the hurdles stem from uh, just our ignorance. I think just as a society, a general level of ignorance that um, shows up in in some of the, the business owners or managers that we speak with and some of the policymakers that, that we connect with at different municipalities. So I'm, I'm remembering very early on connecting with a municipal representative and telling them what we were intending to do in, in their town and they, they did not want to have anything to do with it and actually told us explicitly not to. Uh, I don't I don't, I don't, uh, uh, I don't like the word, no. Um, I, I actually got motivated to continue and, and, and get those ramps on the ground in that municipality. Um, even though they told us not to, and those ramps are still in use today uh, and have received lots of lots of really positive, affirming feedback that, that they are bringing um, more people. Uh, into those locations, and and they're just creating a a lot of awareness about about these issues that that we want to get on people's radar. That being, you know, the human right to equal access. Um, and and getting people to really think about great ideas that can help overcome the big barriers that that are preventing so many people from accessing spaces. Um, and you know we're also hearing some really uh well at first they were they're really troubling responses from from business owners saying that they didn't want to ramp because they didn't have any customers that used wheelchairs so I'll, I'll just let you chew on that one for a second uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, right yeah the the you know customer like the, the business owners were were Telling us that they didn't need a ramp because they could bring stuff outside if somebody needed to access their services or see some of their products, and, and I remember being really, really angry at, at these responses and, and kind of confused and um, having 20, 30-minute conversations with some of these people who who yeah just didn't didn't understand why why it was important and um, that that they just really didn't see how it could be of benefit to them. And, and, and so we just continued forward, forward and we were able to connect, say, with, with their neighbour or business owner a couple of doors down who did participate. And then over time, slowly but surely, we did hear back from the business owners that, that originally uh, did not want a ramp, um, that originally turned down the opportunity to receive one. For free, um, I might add, uh, and and this all this all points to just a like I was saying earlier, just a, a level of ignorance out there that just is, you know, we're all coming to the table with our own um, level of awareness about about accessibility, why accessibility is is important, and and that's okay we're all on our own learning journey and, and it it's, it's opportunities like this, where we get to talk about issues that affect people with disabilities, um, and how access to space is important and a human right, regardless of our situation, regardless of our lived experience. Um, and it's all about raising awareness about these societal Barriers that exist, that being attitudinal, um, that being the policies and systems that are in place that that um, prevent access, um, and and of course the the built built environment that uh, a single step can, for example, cause a barrier to access.
4: So, is your organization driving forward the the um adoption of, uh, standards for, for better, uh, accessibility to buildings?
2: Yeah. Yeah. We're, we're seeing the work that we're doing in communities all, all over Canada really influence this, this shift in, um, in, in, in antiquated bylaws. It's, it's helping communities understand that when they're say redoing a a a sidewalk that wherever possible they uh raise the sidewalk up to meet the ground floor level of of um of a building um so there's 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 some cooperation happening uh between municipalities and private building owners and and i do understand that that they're you know the responsibility isn't entirely with the municipality but it can be helpful when when there are opportunities to uh, create more accessible spaces to to do it when when that type of construction is happening. Um, and and yeah, the onus is is shared between municipal um, uh, policymakers as well as as private business owners. And yeah, it's 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 on the private business owners to decide that accessibility is important when doing when doing renovations so so making ground level access um at main entrance at main entrances not not the back door um i can't tell you how many times i've i've had to go through the the the, the kitchen of a restaurant um through the through a back alley um there's some there's some freaky back alleys here in toronto <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that, to me, is not is not access.
1: So, I, I want to step back a little bit and, and talk um, specifically about about the ramps and and just exactly what function they're they're sort of fulfilling. So, uh, just so so the audience sort of gets an idea in their head of of what we're talking about. How big are these ramps, and what are they specifically? What kind of storefronts are they kind of specifically designed for?
2: These ramps really solve the single step issue so they're they're custom suited to suit the step height they're designed at a one to six rise to run ratio so they're they're uh, steeper than what building code would ask for um, they're not intended to be a permanent solution to the problem they're intended to be used on on a request basis so if someone if someone needs to use use the ramp, they would get a hold of someone inside the building to bring the ramp out. That is that is the the um, the, the safest way of using a deployable ramp like the ones that we create. They're they're made out of um, plywood and and just regular two by lumber and painted with a with a non slip. Uh, type of ex- exterior grade paint and they're, they're they're um they're very colorful so so they're painted with uh up to the business owner's choice uh either red green blue or yellow um and yeah so we intend to have the 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 ramps have a have a con a color contrast that that make them visible um uh, on the sidewalk so we don't we don't want them to blend in uh to to the to grace a sidewalk uh concrete concrete uh, sidewalk um and and yeah we're, we're we're running our program with the intention that they're used on request to abide by municipal bylaw that in most communities uh dictates that that business owners aren't to have anything in front of their their business so nothing on the right of way like flower planters and cafe furniture and and um, uh, like s- uh, sandwich boards that might be displaying or advertising menus um, and and so yeah ramps kind of fall under that category of, of an encroachment that goes against uh, municipal bylaws so so yeah we we understand that there there is a there is a safety um, there's a, there, there, there is a risk to using a ramp like this. Um, and we, we just educate all of our ramp owners about those risks and ensure that they're set up for success in, in using them safely. They're custom suited to fit the step height. Um, so we'll, we'll construct a ramp for a step height between 2 and 9 inches uh, in height. So they are truly, I would say, um, most of the ramps that we put out are are unique because because of the specific step height that they're constructed for, and and the condition of the sidewalk uh, that might be in front of in front of that step. So it could be a sloping sidewalk, and we have to make sure that our our ramp sits sturdily on. On the sidewalk in front of in front of the step, so that it doesn't wobble and and yeah. So we we've created a design that accommodates both a sloping sidewalk and a flat flat sidewalk.
3: So you you mentioned that your your ramps are you have a high I guess because you have they're portable. Um, they would they have a higher pitch than I guess some of the standards might be for I guess permanent ramps. We could say,
2: yeah, that's that's right. So we've settled on a one to six rise to run ratio, and and that has followed us along since the beginning. It was a design um, design ratio that that we felt would give us uh, a ramp that was easy to to maneuver, so e- fairly easy to deploy. Um, some of the larger the, the the ramps for larger step heights can get quite quite big and and heavy so to design and build a ramp for a one to twelve rise to run ratio uh, for say a you know an eight inch step height you can imagine yeah it, that that ramp is going to stick out <laughs> a long way into the sidewalk
3: yeah because I, I know here in the us like ada for I guess more of a per, like a permanent ramp is yeah um, one to twelve. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
2: So so these ramps are not intended to be right. to be used yeah. on a on a permanent basis. They're they're to be used on request and yeah some people aren't comfortable using using a ramp uh, that's designed at a one to six rise to run ratio and and those those people might choose not to use that ramp. Um, and some people may may choose to to, you know, use them with with some assistance, um, and others and others feel comfortable using them in independently. Um, but a really cool thing ha- has happened along the way. We've we've heard from all kinds of other groups of people who have benefited from from our ramps. Like parents pushing strollers is a is a big community who. Who we hear from regularly, and and parents are actually choosing to go the extra distance to a location, say, a coffee shop, or another 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 shop or service that that has a ramp instead of going to one that doesn't, because they find it so much easier to push their stroller up a, a location or a storefront that has a that has a ramp. Um, so this this to me. Is an example of of how, when we put something in place to help someone with a disability, in many cases we we all end up benefiting from it. Um, couriers and you know people with with temporary injuries um, that might be using crutches or or say walker. Um, we we hear from these people and and they confirm that the work that we're doing is is benefiting not not just not just those that use wheelchairs, but other people in the community as well.
1: Yeah, I mean, listen, I'll play spokesperson for another segment of society, which is lazy people, uh, which I love ramps. I I'm, I'm always constantly will pick uh, walking up a ramp as opposed to walking up stairs.
2: Yeah, I was working as an engineer um, prior to taking on my role as, as executive director at Stopgap and and I worked for a company whose office was in a building that had three steps that separated the, the sidewalk level from the elevator lobby level. So every time I needed to get in and out of the building, I needed to rely on someone to help set up this this big big heavy folding aluminum ramp. So the ramp was like, I don't know, 75, 60, 75 pounds. And, and so for eight years, I, I needed t- to get somebody to help me set up this ramp, rain, snow, or shine. Uh, y- imagine what 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 that would be like in a like at a place I- that you frequent on a regular basis, like your home or um, place of work. So that led to some serious frustration.
1: Right.
2: And 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 that actually was a, another like that it was kind of the the. the 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 real clincher to to deciding okay we need to do something about this because because we were recognizing how beneficial the ramp the ramp was when it was out all of these different groups of people that i was mentioning wanted the ramp left out so they could use it too and and in most cases there's a double set of doors to the entryway to this office building and and we put the ramp in front of the the left side of the door and most most people would choose to use the ramp when they had the choice to use the right side which was accessible by by the steps um, yeah I would say nine times out of ten people would choose to use to use the ramp so you're not alone Rob
4: <laughs>
0: so our cities and like city departments developers are they are they seeing these these sorts of statistics and, and changing their bylaws, changing their building codes to accommodate for, for more ramps?
2: No. It, I, I, I'm, <laughs> it's uh I've I've had to put on my my, my like really dial up, amp up my patience uh, in this department, Ryan. Um seen a little bit of change over over the past ten years with a couple of municipalities adopting their own policies and 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 changing some of the ways that that they deal with with encroachment but but overall it's it's been very slow and there hasn't been a whole lot of of uptake on um on policy change yeah
1: it is interesting especially in ontario because you know you guys have the aoda over there and this is you know this is an act that has been around since uh, what 2005, I think.
2: That's right. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So you know, you're, it's coming up to like their their goal, which is you know to have a, a completely accessible province in 20 at 2025, in three years. Um, and and you're still fighting over over ramps. Um, so talk to me a little bit about the AODA though. Has that provided any
2: help for you guys? I would say that that two things there's been there, there has certainly been some good in in the legislation i think it has done some good certainly with um customer service training and transportation um information and communication um it's it's done a lot to to raise awareness about um and, and get and 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 get organizations to Um, instill accessible features say in their hr uh, regimen and policies as well as their websites there's there is some momentum happening with that and there's not enough there's not enough of it Uh, the the legislation uh, isn't isn't being enforced so so i think that that's a that's a really big problem Um, I, i haven't really heard of any companies being um being fined for not complying um and and so that there in terms of compliance yeah there isn't a whole lot of enforcement of compliance at, at least from from what i've witnessed what i what i to my knowledge um and then yeah i think when um when doug ford became premier there there was a there was a there was a a, a choice to put all of the subcommittees on hold for I think it was at least a year uh, if not more all of the all of the subcommittees working on the, the various um, uh, areas of the of the AOda like like the the different yeah segments of the act like like transportation and information and communication um, for example all of those, All of those committees got got shelved and and so what was you know already uh uh, 2025 all of a sudden became 2026 and i look around the city here in toronto and we've still got a subway system that has i think it's now just over half just over half of the subway stations are accessible um the rest are not and it takes so long to install an elevator i don't think that the rest of those stations will become accessible in three years i can almost guarantee it so so yeah we have a long way to go uh, and I, I am not seeing 2025 being um, uh, a year that we can celebrate
0: right full well, full bit- access that's yeah. been our concern with the Accessible Canada Act, now an Accessible BC Act. You know, each province is going to you know, start rolling out their own at some point.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, we've had the ADA that we can develop a bit of a framework from, but everybody kind of wants to do their own thing, reinvent the wheel. And, you know, you're right, there, there has been no repercussions, no fines, no lawsuits. You know, the only, the only course of action we have is human rights. And, you know I don't know how effective that's gonna be
2: yeah but but yeah we have we have a human human rights code that says we we all have um, a right to equal access and that is something that needs to be leveraged and I, I think it's informing people on how I think it's a matter of informing people on how they can how they can leverage right. that that that, uh, that piece of it's uh, legal support.
1: And I think the other the other part of of this education that is so important is that, and it, and this is like this with with almost all disability really, it's that people really don't understand disability until they are in the driver's seat, you know, until they join the community, and then they realize just how inaccessible a lot of things are. And I'm sure for you, Luca, was probably very eye-opening when you you have, after you had the accident and you're you're in a chair realizing just how many storefronts for example or restaurants or whatever were just inaccessible and people don't realize that
2: completely yeah all of this stuff that we're talking about that we're talking about tonight it is is it was completely off of my radar at one time in my life and now it's it's my everyday um, it yeah there is there is an ignorance and that's okay. There is, that's okay to not know um, what I, what I love sharing is, is, is that we're, we're all, we're all connected to this either directly or, or indirectly. Um, and, and it, it disability is, is part of human nature as we, as we age our, our, the way that we move around our, our communities, it, it'll, it'll change. It'll shift, yeah. um, due to the natural aging process. Uh, and and we can experience a shift in the way that we move around uh, as we become parents, um, due to occupation, um, and and certainly uh, due due to injury or or illness. Um, so so it's yeah it, I I like kind of dropping that and and just letting letting people kind of sit with it because. Because disability is part of human nature, and and I guess what happens, um, it can be problematic when when there's a you know that 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 human nature of disability when when it when it intersects our, our human nature to just not know where there's this unconscious bias towards um, not recognizing disability as as an important. Um, and an equally, you know, valid way of of living life. Um, that's where harm. That's where harm can can stem from. So, so we all. I think we, we we all need to do our part in, um, yeah, recognizing that we we all have equally valuable lived experience, and and we need to do our part in, in educating ourselves about um different ways of of experiencing life and and that's you know connecting with different groups of people people with disabilities people of different races of sexual orientation and, and just expanding our our scope and perspective um so we can yeah we can we can grow our edges and and uh, i i think that that well f- for me it, it's really enriched my life and, and it's created lots of, of really, really meaningful connections.
3: So I have to point out, so Luke, you are a complete gentleman and what you just said, and especially with your point about saying that it is okay to not know, to not understand. And then someone like me, Hurricane Harriet, is like, yeah, I get it. It's totally okay to not know and to understand, but once you're schooled, in it and you still don't do anything and you are willfully, purposefully ignorant and um, figure if you just ignore the problem, it'll just go away is, you know, that that other category of, of people that, you know, that we in our community deal with. Um, and so I, I'm curious if you think that there's any, part of uh that whole idea of those customers or i'm sorry those business owners who you said sort of reject getting this free tool to make their business more accessible bring in these new customers people who can't access your space right now do you think that any part of them are thinking that well now that i'm making my space accessible for them to come in now i got do i have what else do i have to do inside of my business to make it accessible i mean is it almost like easier just to keep them out that 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 way of thinking like oh god now i have to rearrange rows or have like accessible hiding counters or or or, you know i mean
2: yeah 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 totally i think i think that the the that that um is a tragic expression of of fear and overwhelm Mm -hmm. So, so yeah there may there may have been some Awareness about accessibility, why it's important. Maybe they were schooled s- s- somehow, somewhere, um, to some certain degree. And and there 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 exists. You know, I'm exp- I'm speaking from my own experience of of not having lived with a disability at, at one time in my life. And I'm taking myself back to my 23, 24 year old self and and just imagining having this conversation i'm i'm sensing that that 24 year old self would be absolutely freaked out overwhelmed uh, unaware and and i think that the i think that the, the expression of denial or um, avoidance is 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 rooted in in fear, fear of just not knowing or being overwhelmed. Um yeah, it, you mean like if I get a ramp, I'm going to have to do something about my bathroom that's in the basement. I'll I'll have to, you know, bring it upstairs and I'm going to lose all that seating capacity in my restaurant that's already limited mm-hmm. in its size. Um yeah, it is overwhelming. <laughs> and you don't have to do everything
3: all, all at, once. at once. Yeah,
2: exactly. And that that's a it's a really important thing to to get out there. As long as people are informed about what they're getting into prior to showing up, it's okay that the bathroom isn't isn't in the basement. As long as there's as long as the information is made available to any anybody visiting that business or or restaurant or cafe, they can make arrangements for themselves to to seek um bathroom facilities say at a restaurant down the street or maybe that 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 restaurant owner can be proactive and make those connections beforehand already they can have have a partnership with a with a location down the street that has an accessible bathroom and 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 again make that information available uh, to anyone um, so that they can be informed and 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 really have a, a uh, an experience that is efficient and, and not, not a letdown. I can't tell you how many times I've visited a venue and shown up to be surprised about, about the space. I you know, maybe called and was told that the space was accessible, but <laughs> found out that upon arriving, the idea of access is to have six bouncers lift me up 15 steps. Like that, that to me is not, is not, is not access. Uh, I'm an adrenaline junkie, but, but there's a, there's, <laughs> a, there's a line that I draw. And um, if I'm, if I can be informed about what I'm getting into ahead of time, that, that to me is invaluable. Um, but so, so yeah, there's, there's some fear and, and, and some overwhelm that t- can, I can totally understand why someone would, would, would react in in a in a f- a way that kind of looks like avoidance or or maybe denial. Um, maybe aggression even. Yeah, it's a tragic expression to me of of feeling scared, mm-hmm. and just yeah, not not really feeling comfortable being vulnerable and saying, "Hey, you know, this this topic scares me, and and I just don't know. I'm feeling overwhelmed."
3: I always. Say that so much ignorance and misunderstanding is completely driven and blocked by fear. That it's that knee-jerk reaction of no, not me. If I just ignore it, it won't ever happen to me. I don't want it around me. I don't want to talk about it. It's uncomfortable. Um, And I and we've had people on this show that and I I'm actually uh a, an example too the where i had the people closest to me who were just in complete denial of my blindness uh, my mother used to i would i would hold her arm we'd walk down the street and then we'd walk into the store and then she would leave me and i'm like what well, she forgets <laughs> she just left me out here I <laughs> and then it would take her a few minutes and then she'd come back out she'd be like Oh yeah, no, no, I for I I forgot my. He didn't forget. You just completely block it out of her her mind. She doesn't want to believe her daughter was blind. Mm. So, it's 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 the denial, fear, everything, all, all all sort of bundled in one.
2: Yeah, and that that that's that we each have our own duty and due diligence to to work through that fear of of. For some of us, like myself, um, the experience of disability—say, the grief that comes in in losing uh, a part of of me—that I, yeah, I deeply grieve every day. So I'm I'm doing my part in working with that grief, and um, uh, I guess, yeah, work also also working on the the getting to know the, the fear that exists in myself around uh my inevitable change in the way that i'm gonna be able to move around as i age so so kind of doing doing that work doing that work ahead of time um i don't think that that's something that that we do culturally it's not 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 something that we're taught uh and 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 so i think yeah i think that Getting really philosophical here, but um, <laughs> I think that 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 causes avoidance. It, it causes us to to not talk about death. It causes us to have a really hard time grieving when either like a f- family member or you know a loved one dies. And and how and how we deal with change, whether it's due to injury or maybe a you know some sort of tragedy, whether it be like job loss or some sort of life circumstance where things change. I think as a culture, as a society, we're, we're set up well to, to deal with, with change in a, in a healthy way.
1: Yeah. I mean, change is scary, you, you know, the, but the other thing that I see as, as a little bit frustrating um, about it is when politics come into play too, because and, I, and I'm, I'm kind of curious to know what, what kind of learning curve there was when you guys first developed this idea, because it's a very smart and elegant solution to a very small, specific problem, right? Like it, it, this only addresses those one steps. By no means is it going to solve all the accessibility problems, but it certainly can solve some. So I, I'm curious to know that do, when you first came up with this, did you sort of bump heads with some of the bylaws in terms of um, what what you could place out in front of storefronts and all that? Like, was there a learning curve that you guys had to get
2: through? We're still bumping heads. Oh, geez, great. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, we're, yeah. We're we're still bumping heads big time. It's like a big it's like a big game of bumper cars right now. There's no. There's there there's no real uh public acceptance or or approval there's uh, that we're that that we're receiving and taking the city of toronto uh for example like behind closed doors yeah we've got counselors that are that are rooting for us and that really you know support us some counselors have uh uh you know they they've they've come to our events and they they've supported they've supported us vocally um, but but the, the the actual putting pen to paper to to uh, change to change bylaws that that isn't something that I see. I don't know if, I don't know if it'll ever happen. I hate to say it, but from what I've witnessed, this this um, intolerance to risk is is a reality uh, in in municipalities, and I'm seeing it big time here here with the city and a good example is that uh, of uh, of that is is what's happened with our uh, outdoor patio spaces so the mayor has made cafe to which which is our curb lane patio program uh, a permanent thing so it's been going on for the last two years and uh, the previous two years the city has installed asphalt ramps for all cafes and restaurants and bars that that install a a curb length patio so they they came around and and laid down these these asphalt ramps and they they were they weren't perfect uh the first year they were horrible the second year they were a little better Uh, and then this year the third year they didn't do it at all and and there's you know some reasons that We've been, um, we've been told by, by different members of, of different departments, like transportation and, um, it, yeah, we were given, I think not the truth. I think the truth lies in their resistance to, to taking on risk and, and they want to put the risk in, in the business owner's hands instead of taking it on themselves. So Mm -hmm. yeah, it's, it's a big game in legal, uh, uh, and uh legal red tape around around risk uh, uh allocation yeah
1: and see that's the frustrating part because even for a business that wants to to become more accessible there's all these barriers for them um that with all these ridiculous bylaws or local politics or even you know even politics in general um you know, it's it's you know they're they they're working. It's like it's like they're working against accessibility um, through bureaucracy. It's crazy.
2: They are. They're totally Rob. You hit it out of the park with that because, and the the, the result is a vague set of guidelines. If you're going to use Cafe as an example again, that the city put out this vague set of guidelines that um, that described. The accessibility requirements for uh, for, for these cafe uh, patio spaces, and nowhere on the application for a permit for one of these patios were there any check boxes for accessibility. <laughs> so there's this this wow. guideline, yeah, this guideline uh, that people could have chosen not to read. And it seems like most didn't, because I would say we were um, uh, had the opportunity to connect with a, a reporter from the Toronto Star, and they wrote a great piece about about their findings. They went around and surveyed 100 different patio spaces, and and noted that I think only 14 of them were accessible. So the rest right. of them had you know immovable furniture. Uh, most, most of them didn't have ramps, uh, the ones that, thinking of one case, there was a ramp, but it went right into a, an immovable bench. So <laughs> it's just a real debauchery of, of um, I, I guess, lack of clarity, yeah. uh, lack of, of, of um, city kind of programming and And it, it sort of resulted in this real bummer of a situation where we've got all these wonderful patio what could be wonderful patio spaces that that just are not accessible.
1: Hmm. So, now we're bringing the show down. yeah, we got to bring it back up. Well, okay, well, let me ask you this. So has anybody else reached out from you from you know other provinces maybe and seeing your model and being like, hey, we want to do something similar in in our province. Uh, has this idea spread out at all?
2: It has Yeah 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 great way to turn it around and and we we are so keen to hear from from people all all over Canada. Uh, so we're working primarily in Canada at the moment. Um, and one day maybe we will we will work beyond our borders but for now we're we're focusing here on home turf and and yeah we, We've got all kinds of great resources that that we would gladly share. Um, there's a there's an agreement that that we enter into with with a uh, someone who wants to lead this project, and we see the 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 different municipalities and different provinces being being the leaders, adopting this program um, in 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 internally and and running with it. Um, because it, yeah, it, it it takes it takes some work. It takes some development of of waivers and indemnity agreements, and we see this being a great opportunity for municipalities to to take on because they have the capacity for that. Uh, and and yeah, there there's there's a, I mean, City of Toronto is is a beast, and and we have precedent with we're in working with other other smaller municipalities that are much more nimble. And and can take on this type of work and, and adopt their own their own policies that allow these ramps say to live more permanently on on the public right of way where where it's safe and where there's enough clearance. Um, we understand that we want to be mindful of all different ways of moving around. Um, you know, people that are using white canes and. Um, uh, We want to make sure that that we're hearing from everybody and 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 learning from those that may be challenged with having a a ramp like ours on on the sidewalk so so yeah there's there's definitely opportunity for. uh, This to be adopted in different in different communities all over Canada and we'd love to hear from from people who might be listening so yeah please be in touch.
1: look at this. You set me up perfectly for the segue into asking you, uh, if people are interested in contacting you, uh, where can they find, uh, your contact information and, uh, where can they find, uh, the StopGap Foundation?
2: Yeah, 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 for sure. So stopgap.ca is where you'll find all kinds of great content and information about the organization and, um, If anybody's interested in adopting a community ramp project in in your town, in your community, your city, uh, drop us a line at info at stopgap.ca, info at stopgap.ca. We're on Instagram, Facebook. We've got a great YouTube channel where you can find lots of fun content of the, for example, escapades of the a barrier-busting superhero, we call Ramp Man. He and I have never been in this in the same room together. Uh, some people say that we look alike, but yeah, we've never been ever never, we've never been in the same room together. Uh, he's out there busting busting barriers as we speak.
1: Excellent. Well, good. He gives. We need. We need him right now. Apparently, we need to go bust some heads on some of these logo ball divisions. <laughs>
2: Totally, totally, that's a—it's a great note to end on. Ramp Man really embodies our core value of of having fun. Talking about, you know, we covered a lot of ground, and some of these things are are challenging topics that or, yeah invoke fear and overwhelm in people. So, the bright colors that we use, Ramp Man and his antics, they—they they really embody this core value of ours that's that's followed us all the way uh, since we started.
0: I smell a Netflix series. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Brilliant, Ryan. Another million-dollar idea that yeah. we won't follow through on.
3: We'll sell it to you, uh, Luke.
1: <laughs> it's his idea in the first place. You Actually, you,
0: you, need, to... you need ramp yeah, Man. wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> you need Ramp-Man ramp merchandise. Sell it on your website. You know, mini-Ramps and Ramp-Man himself, little figurines. T-shirt. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: Curb cut, Kurt. With that voice. Yeah.
1: And I tell you, if only we had followed through in this place, we'd we'd all be millionaires at this point. Uh, listen, Luke, we want to thank you again for coming on. Best of luck. Um, I, I think this is,
2: this is an amazing project. Thanks again for, for reaching out and, and the opportunity to chat a bit about all this great stuff.
0: Yeah, no doubt. Well, if you've got any news and you want to come back on, you know, you're more than welcome to come back and bring Rant with you.
2: Okay. Yeah, that's right.
0: Yeah, maybe we'll, yeah, true. Maybe we'll have Rant Man on. Do
2: <laughs>
1: have a different voice? Does he wear glasses? I don't
2: know. Oh, he, he's an enigma. I'll have to be in touch with him and see.
1: Okay. Oh, so yeah, that's right. <laughs> I I shouldn't right. be asking you these questions because, like, no, what do you, how would I'll, you know?
2: I'll, I'll, be, I'll be in touch with them. See what, see what <laughs> <I> see. <laughs>
1: Awesome, Luke. All right, well, take care, my friend, and uh, we'll talk soon.
2: Right on, everyone. Take care.
1: Thanks, Luke. Thanks, Luke. See, look at that place that makes wooden ramps, and they have an Instagram uh, account. <laughs> <You> can't, <laughs> can't figure out, can't figure out our Instagram. Yeah, what's wait? That's what we need. Wait, that's that's a great idea. You banter boy. I don't know. It's, that's that's objective. <laughs> yeah, we are, I think we already went to superhero we route. Right. Yeah. Why does Superman have a big belly? <laughs> <laughs>
3: no, what's better? That one. Rob doing the voice or me doing Rob doing the voice?
1: I don't know. Or you doing Rob doing the voice. <laughs> oh, no, it's... see I, I I I totally um actually I I was I, yeah wow this is so meta. I think I was imitating his imitating me, <laughs> imitating.
3: So I was, was a little kid.
1: That was a kid. Yeah, I was a kid. Yeah, I was okay. supposed to be a kid. So wow, man. like Inception. Oh <laughs> uh, no, you know it's um. You know it's funny i did a little bit of research before the show uh and do you guys know like so to build a ramp like if you're a business and you want to actually put in a wheelchair ramp do you know the the crap that you have to go through to actually do that like you're talking permits and all
0: that sort of stuff you need you
1: need a permit yeah yeah, which costs like about a grand and then you you know they figure to put in a wheelchair ramp it's between it can be anywhere from like three thousand to like eight thousand dollars so again, like you're looking at like ten grand to put in a wheelchair ramp, and a, and a bunch of permits and stuff. Um, what a pain in the butt. Yep. You know, I I I don't and understand. The whole... And then we wonder why why more businesses don't, you know, pull the trigger and and be more you know try to be more accessible. It's because
0: they they have all these barriers in front of them as well. Well, the application process too. You know, probably by the time they submit an application, a year could go by before they even get looked at. Looked at. So, but
1: you know, it really frustrates me in terms of these 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 bylaws that we were talking about earlier, because really, stopgap is an amazing. It's a very elegant, simple solution. It's literally a piece of plywood, like in, you know, on in a ramp, painted a bright color, put up against the step, like it doesn't get any easier than that and they had to go through all of this um these this fighting with with um local bylaws and stuff it just it seems ridiculous to me there's there's my rant for the day <laughs> <Back> <laughs> rant man
3: you. oh no that's ryan ryan is rant man
1: yeah uh hey liz
3: <laughs> Rob.
1: Oh, you didn't, I didn't fool you with that one, huh? Uh, hey, where <laughs> can people find us?
3: Oh, they can find us on the web at atbanter.com.
0: Perfect. Well done.
3: Emphasis, on the, em- emphasis on the com.
0: Exactly. That's where the emphasis okay. needs to be. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know. Well, we've already led, there's a <laughs> lot of
1: people, like, staring at, like, four, error 404 internet pages you can buy this domain
0: <laughs> <TV>. <laughs> do you want here.
1: it can be yours can't find our google plus page either uh yeah. uh who's next what uh oh i'm next hey they can also drop us an email if they so desire at cowbell at at dot com
4: and if they're so inclined and participate in those evil, evil social medias, you can find us on the evil Facebook and the evil yeah. Twitter.
1: And not the evil Instagram. Cause we, just, we haven't figured figured
0: it out yet, but we will. We're going no, come up the with a we, we need to focus on, on the metaverse. We need to get ourselves some, some land in the metaverse and start staking our claim there. No, it's not a bad idea. Podcast actually. leaders. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, Okay,
1: you figure out where the metaverse is. I don't know where it is. I don't know, I, know either. I, I was reading an
0: article the other day that there are people willing to spend the same amount as they do on their homes and stuff for property as they are willing to spend oh. in the metaverse for for whatever property or whatever token or whatever the metaverse is going to look like. Man, they're stupid. People, yeah, people are willing to spend lots of money for their, their, their place in the metaverse. Wow.
1: Well, wow, have fun. Have fun in the metaverse.
3: Haven't people learned their lesson after Bitcoin? <laughs>
0: no, or NFTs or non-fungible? What the hell is fungible? <laughs> <laughs> Just stupid. Man, we're all grumpy today. I got a Wrigley's gum wrapper. What's that what? worth to you, Rob? I'll, I'll 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 trade that for your 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 Sure. Sure, yeah, there you go. Know, then my airport. airport. <laughs> I
1: don't know. Society it's it's dumb. all dumb. It is
0: all dumb. Just yeah. go back to watching TV and... As long as you're not on Rogers them. or Shaw once they once they buy them. If you're on TELUS or somebody else. <laughs>
1: yeah, don't even get me started on that. That's what you should have ranted about today. That oh, wasn't just a big rant. Watching. It didn't
0: really affect me much other than work-wise. Oh, well, it's all about you, isn't it? <laughs> I had my rant. <laughs> your, little, your little rant segment's all about you, Ryan. <laughs> well, you can have Rob's rant next month. That's fine. I'm man.
3: Rant man. <laughs> You'll dun, get a copyright dun, 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 dun. strike. Oh, I, I don't. I don't think I did it for more than eight seconds. I think. Okay. <laughs> yeah, we're,
1: we're safe. We're safe. Edit okay. okay. me
3: down to less than eight seconds, Rob. <laughs> I can.
1: I'll do it. No problem. And next week, I'll imitate you doing that.
0: <laughs> uh, okay. I know I have that Eminem song in my head. What Eminem song? Like, I forget what the name of the song my song head. is. When he's got a song. And he breaks into his little rap stuff. You'd have to listen to it. I'll mm. play it for you next week. Okay. All right. Something to look forward to.
1: Okay. All right. Are we done? Okay. Hey, oh wait, no, what are doing?
0: that's okay. gonna about do it for us this week. Thank okay. you. Thank you, Ryan. I've been Rob Mano.
1: Uh, we we gave that up long we'll ago. See you next we tried week. to do that. Remember how much we screwed that up? We were like, I've been Robin I've been I've been Good night, America. What are we doing? What are we doing? Go back and listen to like the first ten episodes. We were such dorks. We still are. <laughs> that's true. Not much has changed. Nope. Aww. Aww. But now we're...
3: Poor, poor Rob.
1: <laughs> Listen.
3: Poor Rob, his hockey season's over. Go yeah. sports.
1: Wow. <laughs> and that is going to about do it for us for this week. Big thanks, of course, for everybody for listening in. And big thanks to Luke Anderson for joining us. And we will see everybody next week.